Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Mark 7, beginning in verse 24. The title of the message today is A Step of Faith. We all need to take a step of faith every day, every day. Let's look together at God's Word. From there, Jesus arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician woman by birth, and she kept asking Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. When she had come to her house, she found the demon gone and her daughter lying in the bed. The scriptures record uh, this exclamation of joy that Jesus gives. This is one of those times when we see a little emotion uh, in our Lord in a very positive way as he sees the tremendous faith of this woman. He says, woman, you have great faith. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus would say that to every one of us? Woman, man, you have great, great faith. You know, that's really what we want, what we need, uh, what the Lord really wants to give us. That compliment warrants a closer attention as we study the text this morning. You know, thousands of people are named and unnamed in the Bible. Only a few are commended for their faith. Only a few. But here in our text, we find a woman whose name is unknown, but has great, great faith. This is the story of a faith that delighted our Savior. As such, it can be of great help for any person that has not come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. It can equally be a great help to the believer that is struggling with uh, some difficult circumstance in their life. Every Sunday morning I try and, and walk around and talk to as many folks as I can before the service. Uh, every Sunday somebody tells me some very difficult uh, problematic uh, issue that uh, really is terrible. And of course, you know, you want to lift all those things up to the Lord. Uh, Mary Jo's in the hospital. What hospital? Winter Haven Hospital, and uh, we want to remember her. Others in our church family are, are having a difficult time. We want to remember each of them. Uh, when we get in these uh, struggling situations, we need to have a great faith. That's what turns the tide. You know, there are a lot of people in America today that have lost their jobs. Uh, there's a very uh, high percentage of people that don't have work. A lot of them have just quit working. Uh, quit looking for work. Uh, they looked for a while and couldn't find anything, so they just decided they weren't going to look anymore. We are entering a period of mass demonstrations. I don't know if you watch TV much or listen to the radio much or read the newspaper, uh, 
but there's all kinds of demonstrations all over our country. There are people going up and breaking the windows out of businesses and burning cars and uh, hitting people with clubs and all kinds of things. This isn't in the Bible, but you know what I think they, they ought to do? I think they ought to put every one of those people way back in jail. That's what I think. Way, way back in jail. You know, we all have difficulties and problems. Sometimes our kids aren't doing right. Our grandkids aren't doing well. Sometimes it's our great-grandkids that are disappointing us. We need a strong faith today. Everything isn't bad. The Lord is really blessing our church, and I'm so thankful for that. God has brought a lot of people into the church recently. We've baptized a bunch of folks, and a lot of people are taking real uh, big steps towards spiritual growth in their lives, and of course, that's always a wonderful thing to see. Uh, we're thankful about that. When this beautiful encounter in our text that we read just a minute ago is viewed from the beginning to the end in its context, we realize that this just didn't happen accidentally. Uh, this is something that the Lord uh, had a part in the planning of it. Jesus had just come off of a huge class uh, crash with the uh, Jewish scribes over the concept of ritual defilement. Uh, Ritual defilement, uh, the Jews said, was one thing, and Jesus thought it was something else. Uh, Jesus said to them, and they had a big argument about it, Jesus said the externals don't matter. And of course, to the scribes and the Pharisees, that's all that mattered. The externals were what was so important to them. Jesus said that's not what's important. What's important is what's on the inside of you, where your heart is, where your soul is, where your mind is. That's what's really, really important. Um, The encounter... Uh, went on for a while, and then Jesus withdrew to get some rest. And in doing so, he purposely ventured to a Gentile area, a territory uh, which, according to the scribal mind, was ritually unclean. The scribes, the Pharisees, thought a whole lot of things were unclean. There was, in this place where Jesus went, a Syrophoenician woman. Uh, He met her, her faith dramatically contrasted with that of the hardened unbelief of the Pharisees and the scribes. And of course, Jesus knew her heart when he saw her. And he was excited, he was thrilled uh, that this lady had so much faith. Uh, She even outshined the disciples that were around our Lord. Uh, She had a stronger faith in some ways than they did. Her faith became a beautiful story, a beautiful story, which would be proclaimed with such power all over the Gentile world. Jesus held it up like a jewel in the light where everybody could see. This was a lady that demonstrated her great faith in our Savior. Mark tells us in verses 24 through 26, that Jesus left the place and went to this vicinity entire. He entered a house. He didn't want uh, anybody 
to know about it. He was trying to rest, and he went in there hoping to find some rest, but he couldn't keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as this Syrophoenician woman heard about Jesus and heard about what he had done, uh, she went over and fell down on her face, bowing before him. A woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit, by a demon, and she wanted to do something about that. This woman was Greek. She was born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. This was only a short trip from where Jesus had been, no more than 20 miles into Gentile territory. As was often the case, uh, Jesus' uh, fame had preceded him. And there were some merchants in the room that recognized him immediately when he walked in. He was sought out by this Syrophoenician woman. She was also Greek in the sense that she had uh, grown up in a Greek culture and spoke the Greek language. Uh, she was a Greek-speaking pagan Gentile from Tyre. Now, in the scribe's mind, that was a whole lot that was against her. All of those things were really bad. Uh, accordingly, she was despised uh, by the religious leadership in that whole area. She was considered unclean. She was considered a dog. Now that was just about the lowest thing that you could be in that time. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But she was, uh, they said, like a street dog, a vicious street dog. Uh, and then she was a female. And in that society, the females were put down. The fem females were always much, much lower than all the men. So she had everything against her. The establishment was scandalized by any rabbi having a conversation with a woman like her. That was just terrible. In fact, at this time, there was a very strict sect uh, called the Bruised and Bleeding Pharisees. Have any of you ever heard of that? The Bruised and Bleeding Pharisees? You have to read a lot to catch up with these boys. Uh, the bruised and bleeding Pharisees were called that because every time they saw a woman, they would pull down kind of a, a blinder sort of a thing that went all the way across our feet, across her face. And then you, you understood immediately why they were called bruised and bleeding Pharisees because they would bump into things. And, you know, if they bumped into something and it cracked their head open, they'd not only be bruised, but they would be bleeding, or their nose, or their mouth, or whatever it was. Well, the uh, bruised and bleeding Pharisees uh, saw these marks on their face as pious marks. They thought that they were in an exalted uh, sexual ethic group that no one else had the faith to be in. Uh, Jesus' dealings with this woman uh, would quickly become a notoriously terrible thing, according to all of them. This uh, Greek woman, 
and all the Greek women of that day were socially savaged by their own pagan culture. Uh, She had great need. Uh, She was not afraid to come to Jesus. Her daughter was afflicted with a demon. It had wrought terrible havoc in her life. She was being progressively scarred and even maimed by this demon that was within her. Now think how you would feel if you had a child, if you had a little girl, and the child was literally uh, dying before your eyes uh, because of all the things that this demon was doing within her. Well, what would you do? You would do anything, wouldn't you? Uh, She wasn't one that was a believer in Jesus. She wasn't one that was a believer in the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Essenes or or any of those people. Uh, She was uh, a lady, however, that cared a great deal about her daughter. And that comes out. The mother was desperate and beside herself. She had heard about Jesus perhaps from traveling merchants. They had gone around, and they had been in some of these places when Jesus was healing people of everything. He could heal anything. And they knew it, and then they were just so surprised when they saw him, and they were, you know, talking to him and saying, that's the guy that we were telling you about. He's the one that can cure and heal anything. Well, when that woman heard that, uh, she moved toward Jesus. She now believed that Jesus was her only hope in the world, and that he could and would, now this is her faith, that he could and he would heal her daughter. She came in faith, and Jesus knew that. Jesus can tell what's going on in our hearts and minds. As she walked toward him to bow down on her face with her hands outstretched before Jesus, he knew that she had a great faith in what he was about. As Jesus drew her remarkable faith out, the first thing that we see was her persistent faith. Mark tells us that she came, in verse 25, and fell down before the Lord. And that she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter, in verse 26. The tense here means that she did not just beg one time, but that she begged over and over and over that Jesus would do a miraculous thing with her daughter that was in such bad shape. She would not be denied. She was not only persistent, but she was noisy. She was calling out as, as loudly as she possibly could. Jesus' messianic title, somehow or another, had been caught by her. She heard somebody uh, say that messianic title. And so she decided, well, that must be what you're supposed to say to him. So as she was bowing before him, she said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And she just kept calling that out over and over and over again. She did not have a Jew's knowledge about who Jesus was, but the term sounded good to her, so she just repeated it over and over and over. Knowing the heart of Jesus as we do, his response at this point was amazing. His response was that he said nothing. He remained silent. 
Remarkably, the woman was not silenced by his silence, nor by the disciples' compassionless annoyance. The disciples were irritated at this woman. She was making a big scene. Uh, The disciples say, uh, in verse 23, send her away. Just get her out of here. She's bothering us. Get her out of here. She keeps crying out after us. That was their uh, solution to everything. Peter probably scowled. Quick-tempered John probably got very impatient. And Andrew and Philip and all the rest of the disciples were rude and presumptuous, uh, thinking about this woman and how she needed to get out of there and get out of the way of what they were doing. What rejection she must have felt. But the woman thought about her daughter. And she remembered what they had told her that Jesus could do. And so she just stayed right there. She was persistent. And she kept calling out to the Lord. She even persisted when Jesus himself seemed to speak to her words of rejection. He said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. That's the Jews. That's who he was talking about. First his silence, and then this statement. But not even his suggestion of Jewish exclusiveness could deter her. Lord, help me, she said. At this point, she dropped the Messianic title, and she just began to beg that Jesus would show mercy toward her. The poor woman did not know it, But Jesus, the creator and sustainer of life, was completely taken by her great faith. This lady had great, great faith. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. In verse 27, the softening in Jesus' tone is seen in the word that he used For dogs. There were two words for dog at that time. One word was for household dogs. The other word was for those despised scavenger dogs that roamed the streets. If you didn't watch out, four or five of those dogs would jump on you and kill you and eat you. Uh, I mean, they were really bad. Everybody hated those dogs. These house pets, however, were kind and gentle. And they would go under the table of the people, and when any crumb fell on the floor, they would get it immediately. If one of the kids kind of passed something down under the table, they would, of course, get that, be very happy that they got it. The dear woman sensed where Christ was going. He sensed that that he was kind of making a move by the word he used for dog, that maybe this wasn't as hopeless as she thought. So she said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Verse 28. She made Jesus' response her argument. She took what he said and started using that as her reason for help. She said, yes, I am a little dog. So I get some of the children of Israel's crumbs. That's what I get. Now the kingdom of heaven today is looking for people that have this kind of faith. Like this woman who was willing to spend untiring energy in pursuit 
of spiritual things. She was really giving it all she had. They are persistent, those that follow in this illustration. It is for those like the paralytic's friends. You remember that situation. The man was a paralytic. He was on a mat, and his friends carried him. We don't know how far, but we think a good ways to where Jesus was. And they couldn't get the mat with him on, on it into the house because there were so many people around. So they went around to the back of the house, climbed up on the roof, and started tearing the roof apart, went through 18 inches, we think, of, of branches and twigs and all kinds of stuff, and they just tore a big hole out of the roof and lowered their friend down at the very feet of Jesus. And he healed the man because of their faith, of their faith. Well, uh, Jesus desires that kind of faith. And this woman showed it, just like the friends of the paralytic showed it. Do we, do I, do you persistently and passionately pray about anything? Now, don't raise your hand or anything. But uh, have any of you, in the last four or five days, each day prayed for the very same thing? Prayed earnestly, passionately for something that was very important to you? You know, if you're not doing that, I pray that you would. I pray that you would uh, pray for our church, that God's hand would be upon it, that God's hand would be directing us in all the things that we're trying to do, in all the missionaries that we're trying to support, in all the ways that we're trying to reach our neighborhood, to reach this area of Florida with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray that we would be blessed in that mission that we sense. We must understand that this is what the Lord wants from every one of his followers. I wish two or three hundred of you would take this uh, as a challenge for your spiritual walk and, and pray for our church every day. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, James 5.16 says. The woman's faith was great because it was persistent. It was also a humble plea that she gave. It would be irresponsible if we left anyone uh, today with the impression that the woman's persistence earned Christ's ear or that her persistence earned his healing power. That, that isn't what it was. Her persistence was only a demonstration of the deep faith that she had. It was from the faith in her heart. Our Lord wanted us to see the works which resulted from the authentic faith that she had. The woman was light years away from supposing that she merited anything, any help from Jesus. She knew there was not a merit in her that would win Christ's help. She was a Gentile. She was not a part of the household of faith. The bottom line is she depended upon Christ's goodness and not hers. She said, he's got to do it. I can't do it. He's got to do it. He's the one that the Lord has his hand upon. Christ said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. This woman's faith was great 
because she took Christ at his word. Lord, if you say I'm a little dog, I am. But that means that I have a master, and you are my master. And it means that I am a humble part of the household, and that I can claim some of the crumbs that fall to the floor. The writer of Hebrews tells us, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. She believed that God is, and thus she earnestly sought him, and thus she pleased him. Her faith was humble. Her faith was that she believed in his word. It was a faith that persisted. And all of those were important parts, important ingredients, if you will, in the coming solution of her prayer. What was the result? The result was Christ's healing power. As Mark says in verse 29, Then he told her, For such a reply you may go, for the demon has already left your daughter. Her little daughter was completely restored. What a celebration there was in heathen Tyre. That evening, when she got back home, she walked in and there was her daughter. Calm, resting, not doing anything wild like she had been doing for a long time. She was healed. In addition, there was Christ's eternal commendation. Jesus said about her, Woman, you have a great faith. The Syrophoenician woman did not have the ultimate revelation of God's love and God's power toward us. But like the woman, uh, you may not have had all of the various advantages of being raised in the household of faith. Then again, maybe you have had all that. But like her, the word has come to you that Christ can meet your needs, that he can heal you. What's required? First, that you believe. Second, that you approach humbly. Thirdly, that you come to Jesus, just as this woman did. There was a big fire in New York City, and the firemen, of course, came to the fire. But they couldn't quite get to it in some ways. They couldn't put the big truck uh, in between those two buildings and run the ladder up to this little girl that was blind and was on the fourth floor standing on the windowsill because the fire behind her was getting hotter and hotter and she was just trying to get away from it. And the chief of the fire group that was there said, jump, jump, we've got a net down here. All you need to do is jump, just jump. Little girl didn't know that voice, didn't know who that was. She knew that she was four floors up. So she wasn't going to jump by what he was saying. After a while, her father got there. He said, darling, there's a big net down here. And if you jump forward, you're going to land right in the middle of it. And you'll be saved from that fire. And it won't hurt at all. I'm going to count to three. And on three, you jump. He said, one two, three, and she jumped. 
She was so relaxed that she didn't break any bones. She didn't strain any muscles. She was 100% okay when they pulled her out of the net and the father put his arms around her. You know, our Heavenly Father is calling out to us to take a step of faith. To take a step of faith. Not just something common or usual, but to take a step of faith like this Syrophoenician woman did, like the little girl did from the fourth floor of that building. If there's anybody in the house this morning that's never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, if there's anybody in the house uh, that needs a church home but you haven't really uh, joined anywhere yet, you know that you need brothers and sisters in the faith that will lift you up, pray for you, walk beside you, stand with you in all the circumstances of life. Maybe there's a step of faith that you need to take. Whatever decision you might make today, we're going to sing a hymn. I'm going to stand down here at the front. And if the Lord would lead, you just slip out and slip forward. Let's stand as we sing together. Mm-hmm.